0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Liveline. 51551 is our text number. I presume a lot of you have got the uh, text message or indeed the notice from your home uh, uh, heating oil supplier to say, remember Blank Holiday Monday coming up, midterm break coming up, avoid the fright of a run out, order oil today, and they, that's the name of your company, which is a reminder, and they also, other companies are reminding people that we're now into winter, especially after this weekend, and a make sure to fill up your home heating oil tank. Now, uh, as I mentioned uh, an hour ago, a number of our listeners have sent us in this map of Ireland. It's broken down into the ancient counties of uh, the, the, the 32 county uh, island as it was then. And uh, a, a five 500 litre fill. Now, I think a lot of people would need a thousand litres to fill their tank. But let's take a 500 litre fill. In an uh, up around Newry, in fact, in every single county in Northern Ireland, you will pay 373 or £374. Pounds. Pounds. Work that out. It's about four, 420 euro on today's figures. In every county in this uh, rip-off republic, um, because of taxes primarily, you will pay up to 590 not 420, 590 for the exact same amount as home heating oil. In Limerick, you'll pay 590 on average. Clare, 585. You go across to Wexford, 575, 572 in the Midlands, uh, 555, 555 in Dublin, uh, 554 in uh, the Royal County, and 574 in the Garden, the Garden of Ireland. That is a massive difference. And when I mentioned this, we were contacted by Michael Bourne. Michael, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. You're busy enough as it is, Michael. You don't want more business. I want it all. <laughs> Tell us, who are you, what are you, and what's happening as we speak? Uh, queues of people come up to fill kerosene in the north of Ireland at uh, 30 centilitre cheaper. So you're saving like 300 euro on a fill. Wow. 300 euro on a fill, what, of 1,000 litres? Of 1,000, yeah. And how far are you, say, from Dundalk? Five minutes. So five minutes from Dundalk. Now, when you say they come, what, what did, do, do I have to bring my own container? You have to bring containers, yeah. So what would that be, drums or? Drums, or we also have bowsers. If you have a tow bar, you can take the bowser home with you. Plus people stay as well. thousand litres. And what do I do with the bowser when I'm finished with it? Just leave it back. Oh, great. Okay. Okay, now, are you busy? Very busy. And what do you mean, busy? There's huge people coming up for alcohol, you see, and, and everything's cheaper. Like, it's like, it's everything's cheaper here. They're all coming for alcohol and kerosene and, and coal. and It's just, it's an awful difference in price. And is it, is it the backbone of your business at the minute? Well, I, I'm, I'm built a sh- I've built a shed here on the board. Like, you wonder what it's for, but... It's for the people that's coming up. You know, oh. it's, on a ba- it's on a country road, like. And what about the revenue implications, Michael? Apart from just, I'll talk about safety in a sec. What about the uh, the revenue implications? Because it is such a significant difference. Yeah. You see, kerosene in the north is duty-free. There's no duty in the north. Okay. And there's no carbon tax in the north. Oh, there in is the south, here. there's carbon tax and duty, and duty on kerosene. They don't charge you duty for heating the house in the north. So the people, do you say to people now? Remember, you have to declare that to revenue. I don't know how you go into revenue with a with a drum of kerosene, but anyway. Um, and what what about is it is it is is it dangerous? Like I know kerosene isn't as flammable as petrol or diesel, but is it dangerous transporting kerosene? No, it's not. No, you're, you don't need a CPC. For, you don't need any. You don't need anything when it's less than two thousand meters. You don't need any extra licenses or anything like that. Okay, you have to work. And when when did this um, surge begin, Michael? Oh, it's going on a long time, so it is. But at the minute, there's an awful difference in the price. Okay, you so know, it's going on this year. I know, we know that. But sometimes it's cheaper in the south, isn't it? Sometimes. Yeah, well, this, for years there, the, the diesel was cheaper in the south. But diesel is actually cheaper with us now in the north. We are one seventy point nine for white diesel. 
because the site took off money for the you know, for COVID. Everybody got, and also the North took off yeah. money for COVID as well. But the South has all that money put back on and another five cent to go on in the new year. But we the North hasn't put on no more money haven't put the money back on. So okay. it's worth now cheaper now in the North. So just, just remind people, how much is a litre of home heating oil uh, in, in your place uh, north of the border? Uh, we are 85.9 cent for heating oil. That's at a pump now. That's that's not bulk. Okay, that's just at the pump. That's how much? You're saving 30 cents straight away. And if I was, if I was to buy a thousand litres off you? You're, you're saving another five cent. So I'm saving, I'm saving well over 300 quid. Easy, yeah. You see, there's no duty in the north and kerosene. Like, yeah. you wouldn't charge for the duty for heating at home, would you? Well, that's true, actually. Yeah, but there is duty here and the carbon tax. And the carbon and tax. I think, yeah. And I think the carbon tax. And we know, we we know the arguments. We are very environmentally conscious, rightly so, down here. And we're told that's what the carbon tax is for. But you've noticed a significant number of people from the south coming up to buy the kerosene. Yeah, it's a big saving, you and is there any pattern to it, Michael? Is it daytime, evening time, weekends? Weekends and around six o'clock when people when people quit work, there's a big there's a big queue of people. But it's all the time too. And has the has the difference has the difference the gap between the north and the south? We know there's we know there's no border as such, and there's no uh, customs. But the gap between the north and the south, in terms of uh, obviously favouring the north, has it ever been as big? Uh, well, it, it does be it, it, it varies, but now at the minute it, it does vary up and down. But now at the minute there's a big difference, massive difference. Okay, it's Apparent- your while like. Apparently, you can, you can see, you can, you can tell by the traffic, like, the amount of people coming up. Well, if you're saving €300 Euro plus on your home heating oil fill, that's an, that's, yep. that's an incredible saving. Incredible, yeah. So, a person, um, Revenue tell us, a person taking oil across the border from the north must notify the local revenue office and pay taxes, including the carbon tax, on the oil, have you heard of anyone? Did anyone ask you where do I go to declare this? No, and I spoke to I spoke to different people and said there's no problem. What do you mean, different people? Uh, revenue. I spoke to revenue and they've said there's no problem in the north. I spoke to revenue in the north, said there's no problem. They says why? Whatever I whatever I opened up here, the revenue asked me what's your main business going to be. I says people coming from the south for kerosene, and I says is that okay? Yes, that's no problem. Okay, because. Is uh, have you any taxes on kerosene? No, it's it's duty free. Okay. There's five percent. Uh, there's five percent VAT. So five hundred liters uh, in Northern Ireland, three hundred and seventy. This is just generally, and I know you've, you're even cheaper again. But five hundred liters in Northern Ireland delivered to your home is three hundred and seventy-two pounds. That's four hundred twenty-seven euro. Okay. It's uh, and then nine hundred liters uh, delivered to your home uh, in the north is um, six hundred sixty-seven, which is seven 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 hundred seventy-seven uh, euro. And the, but the, are you surprised at the figures in the south how how high they are? It's down to the government again, isn't it? So it's like people can't do that. But I don't blame the people in the shops. Like they can't, they're only. They're only selling at whatever price they can. It's the government to send it the dirty, isn't it? Uh, like you'll pay for a thousand litres in the south, you'll pay 1,100 quid on average, 1,100 euro. Okay? For a thousand, yeah. just short of a thousand litres up north, you'll pay seven, let's say rounded up, you'll pay 800. So yeah. it is. A, it is. A, it is a big saving. Okay, and you. Um, you, 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 you. Well, to see your revenue is not losing. Her Majesty's revenue is not losing anything because there is no, no tax. He uh, yeah, she's because, gone. Sorry, uh, his, his. Sorry, his. <laughs> <laughs> his Majesty's revenue. Forgive me. His Majesty's no. revenue is not losing anything because they don't charge anything. No. But uh, the the revenue in down here is losing a significant amount. It's losing the difference, basically. 300, 300 quid on a thousand litres. 
Yeah. Now, did, do you think you'll get it? Well, you, you, we'll hear it here, I presume. People say, oh, that's irresponsible and going over the border and the environment and the cost of the journey. So the queues don't come up for the drink. The queues people come for a drink. And how, and how cheaper is the drink at the minute? Uh, well, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't really know much of that, but it's, it's massive difference as well. Oh, God. And you have and um, you've no one saying, I oh, know I I'm I wanna be loyal to the Republic and I'll pay the extra taxes that are on the kerosene in the Republic. No. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, uh, Michael. And I are, are, are you open twenty four seven? Tw- sorry, uh, seven days a week. Yeah, eight to eight, seven days a week. Save oils. And are many companies like you doing it? Well, they are, aren't they? There's loads of... Oh, oh. yeah. And it's the whole border of Ireland. whole border of Ireland. Okay. You're saying people are coming up for drink, uh, pet, petrol, diesel and home heating oil. Yes. Okay. Jerry Malone, will you explain the legality, Jerry? Joe, I live in the dark and I can tell you straight out that it, it's illegal for anybody to buy a kerosene oil in the north. Okay. And if you do, if you do so and bring it across the border, you, it, as you said, it must be declared to customs and revenue in the south. Absolutely no question or doubt about that. The customs, I, I, I live on the border, you don't see customs around that much, but when they are, they're well within their rights to seize the, the, the particular uh, whatever the car whatever people are carrying and but how uh, but if you buy home heating oil Jerry no, it's the same as, sorry. go ahead Michael sorry it's the same as the cigarettes and the, like you're out to go stuff your own use during the airport like once for your own use it's okay yeah okay you know you're not uh, going to resell it and then how how would customs prove where you one that you just bought the kerosene and two, where you bought it? It's not like the receipt problem. Well, they might say, you might say I have no receipt. I've had to, I've, I bought it two weeks ago. I haven't just unloaded it out of the car or whatever. I, I are there many mobile patrols? There must be. There will be now. Are there many mobile patrols <laughs> up around the border? <laughs> Irish customs and excise. There does be. Yeah, they're on the road every day, stopping people in northern cars. In northern cars. There's a big difference in that too, isn't it? To the, yeah. the, the oh, stop. there's a guy. In, the v, in the VRT, they make, they're trying to make sure you're not using your northern car in the south because it means you haven't paid our, our penal VRT, which is the highest uh, in Europe. Okay, but My, Michael, you're not deterred. You're saying, as far as you're concerned, Jerry, Jerry, you're back. Jerry, Yo, yeah, Michael. I just want to say something. Yeah. The kerosene in the, in the south of Ireland is completely different colour to the kerosene in the north of Ireland. And if the customs catch somebody in the south of Ireland, that's how they'll identify where you bought it from. Oh, okay. And if, if they find you with the colour, it's a light brown colour in the north, it's red in the south. And okay. if, you, if you are caught with the northern kerosene, there's nothing about receipts or anything like that, the, the might of the law will come down on top of you. And, and what there's does, no question, no matter what that man is trying to say. And if you say no, it's, but if you say it's for your, here. if you say it's for it your own, doesn't matter for home use or anything like that. That is absolute nonsense. It's the same way as if if you buy the color of your diesel in the north, if it's if it's uh, the color of your diesel in the north. What color? Okay, stick with be pulled in for that. Okay, stick with stick with the home heating oil. You're say you're saying in the south, Jerry, the home heating oil is what color? It's red, and uh, the, 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 the kerosene in the north. Well, I want to ask Michael, what colour is your home heating oil? Uh, 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 it's yellow, isn't it? Yellow. Yellow. Yeah, well, it's the same. Yeah. That's the colour. Well, once for your own use, okay. Okay. No, and it's not. Once you're not taking massive amount, once for your own use. Well, we're going. We're, no. we're, we're asking. We're, we're asking customs to clarify that for us. Because it is an interest, yeah. it is an interesting point, Cherry. If you bring in alcohol or cigarettes, be it true Ross Lair or yeah. true Dundalk, and you're stopped, you'll be you might be you more likely to be stopped in Ross Lair. You won't be stopped in the border invariably. Um, once you say it's for your own use, no, now, 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 is this be, is this because of Brexit? But fuel is different. It's nothing to do with Brexit. It's all has been illegal. Fuel is completely different. That's why fuel smuggling has been a big re- revenue earner for 
certain people. So yeah, we know slab that. But it, but it's but it's they're, they're smuggling tanker loads. No, the people. Anybody who buys oil in the north, and they put it. The other thing that's illegal as well is if you put a can of fuel into your car. Mm-hmm. If you put it into cans and put it into your car, that's illegal as well. You're not allowed to do Why? that. Why? Why not? It's, it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. No, yeah, we know not. that. But say you get stranded on the motorway, you're not allowed to hit your lift to the nearest petrol station. I don't know well, about that, Jerry. No, no, are no, you, no, uh, no. Jerry, are you, Jerry, are you in the business? I'm not in the business, but I know, I, I know what I'm talking about, okay. and I'm telling you, it's illegal, absolutely illegal. Sorry, sir, so, so Jerry, so Jerry, is it illegal when I go up to Belfast, which I did two or three weekends ago, and the previous yeah. weekend, the previous weekend, uh, when I go up to Belfast and I have to fill up there on the apple green just coming out of Belfast, where it's in, it's in Northern Ireland, um, am I? Is that illegal? For me to do that? No, it's it's not not illegal, but it's it's not illegal for you to fill up uh, your car with 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 diesel. But there is this thing as the colour of the cheap agricultural diesel. I know, I'm not, I'm not forgetting. No, I'm not. I'm not talking. I know that. No, I'm, I know you're not. But yeah. that's what I'm saying. People people will buy it. This is the difference of me buying agricultural diesel down here and agricultural diesel in the north. It's illegal. And I'm telling you, the only thing I've got to say to you is what that man is saying, it's illegal. And no matter what he says, he's wrong. Ah, well, you can't say you can't say no matter what he says, he's wrong. No, but he's wrong. He's wrong in what he's saying. He's wrong in what he's saying. Well, do you think think Michael is wrong when he sees a Southern Reg car coming in um, given with a trailer? to sell wherever or whoever he wants yeah. but the persons who carrying that oil across the border are the ones that are putting themselves at serious risk but there's no bar- but there's no border yeah, Jerry. Jerry there's no border there is a border in the sense of the customs could be sitting 300 yards from the north yeah so I think you, you're wrong you okay stay there for a minute while we try and get uh, clarification if we could ever get clarification I don't know if you can but uh, there's br- no such thing to get clarification Joe it's the law it's a law. Okay, stay with us. Stay with us, Jerry. Stay with us. Five one double five one. Joe at rte.ie, um, and uh, the, the you can contact us as well on the WhatsApp number. And by the way, we're getting a new super duper WhatsApp number. But for the meantime, oh eight seven one eight four three seven zero nine. Oh eight seven one eight four three seven zero nine. We I think we use every single digit in the in uh, uh, from one to ten. Um, Bridget Mead. Bridget. Good afternoon. Hello, Joe. Where are you now, Bridget? I'm in Clonell. County Tipperary. County Tipperary. So according to this, you should be paying about €584 for a fill, whereas if you're in Coal Island in Northern Ireland, you'd be paying €420. So how much did you pay? I paid over €600 two weeks ago for for 500 litres of kerosene. Wow. I think it was 530, but I'm not sure, but I do have the receipts at home. So you got the fill and you you needed, it was a top up, you got five, just over 500 litres and you paid 600 quid. Yes. Can you remember? Over 600. Can you remember what you got paid last year? I do have all the receipts, Joe. They're all at home. My husband keeps every single one of them, but I just couldn't tell you now. Okay. I'm actually out shopping in Clonmel. And, and what do you think? What do you think the enormous? The, I don't think people are aware. Well, obviously, a lot of people were because they're going up to buy it. The difference in a basic, a basic like you, you need you need yeah. home heating oil to get you through the winter. It's as basic. True. There is actually yeah. people do get a flu a fuel allowance. The state does yeah. recognise you need heat. You need heating. Forget about alcohol, and cigarettes, or anything else. Yeah. But the state does recognise you need you need heating. Yeah, a heating oil. And the difference, the difference yeah. is incredible between on the island. It's unreal, absolutely unreal. And what do you think of people um, who go go north to buy their Home heating oil. Oh, but sure, look, if they have the transport and they're able to do it, why wouldn't yeah. they do it? Like, yeah, well, they once are. it's safe and uh, you know to travel and everything that with, with it on the road, it's, it's grand. I mean, I wouldn't do it, I wouldn't have the means to do it, but we just get ours local here, and that's the yeah. pi- And by the way, did, did, did you did you price around, Bridget? Did you ring round? Well, I didn't because we're with this company for I know, years. I know, I know. And I'll tell you, I've got to shop now and I hear the difference in prices. I will be checking around from now on. We have an account with you, so we just 
just I know, and then, and then your own, and you know your own company, and you invariably know the driver, and he knows where the he or she knows where the tank is, and they're reliable, and you don't, you never have. I understand that. I understand that. But well, like one, I think what you said was five eighty-five. It's not too much of a difference. It's probably forty or fifty euro, which is still a lot, but um, they are local, like so. But I will certainly no. be looking around in the future for different prices. But it is. Now my, now, my point is that home heating oil for many, many families is, is their only heating in the house. Yeah. It is, yeah. A, it is a basic. Yeah, it is it's a not basic. A, it's not a luxury. It is a basic. Yeah. And yeah, I know yeah. you can, you, some people can argue even that a car is a luxury. And I understand yeah. that argument is valid. But home heating oil is not a luxury. Yes. You can't say to people, now, I want you to cut down... Uh, and don't turn on your heating during the winter. You have to turn on your heating. It's life or death for some people. Yeah. But the difference is the difference is incredible. Okay, good to meet him, Michael. Bridget, good to meet him, Michael. All right, Joe. Jerry bye and bye. Uh, Michael. Michael Bourne. Bye bye. Five one double five one. Joe at RT.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818 Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. There are three, three taxes on home heating oil. Now, remember, more than one third of households in the Republic use home heating oil as their main source of fuel. One third. Um, the taxes are, the, and you've just heard the, the and, and, and it's a free country, I see some people tweeting that we shouldn't be let, telling people this uh, the environment and all this carry on but it's a free country and people are we're allowed to debate uh, environmental issues um, with regard to ker- kerosene the the uh, there's a 13 and a half percent VAT okay that's tax number one then you pay uh, Nora two cent a litre and Nora is the National Oil Reserve Agency that's a levy there's loads of levies. So that's another two cent. And then we have the carbon tax, which is uh, approximately 12 cent per litre. So that, and by the way, that's going up. Um, that's the, the government plan. And you know, the carbon the carbon tax is to try and reduce our emissions. In other words, to try and stop people using home heating oil. But one third use it, and there are three taxes on it. VAT, NORA, and carbon. VAT, NORA, and carbon. Okay, Vincent McGuire. Vincent, good afternoon. Afternoon, Joe. You were in Dublin Airport two weeks ago. Yes. October the 9th. It's a Monday morning. Mm-hmm. You were heading out on your holliers. Yes, right. And yourself and your partner were in the Juicy Free. Mm-hmm. Um, and perfume, makeup. Um, various. That's what you were. That's what you were buying. And your wife was buying different things. But she found something. She did. I'm sorry, it's my partner, not my wife. Sorry, sorry okay, that's fair enough. Your yeah. partner, okay. Um, she, and what did you find, Vincent? She uh, put down her bag on the a little shelf just off the main counter, which is just underneath the, the main shelf. Okay. And when she picked up her bag, she found, seen this envelope, and she picked it up, and she realised there was a lot of money in it. And straight away, she handed it over to the assistant, and the assistant says, oh, you're very honest. And, okay. Uh, Michelle just says, yeah, look, at it. it's not mine, so I'm just handing it in. Fair play. So, Michelle, I was, of course, standing away from, from the counter at the time. And okay. she came over and told me the, what had happened. And I said, did you give your name or anything? Or did, did the mm. girl ask you, who, who, what happened or how he just come to find us? She said, no, so go back over then. And I said, at least give your name and phone number. If the person that comes along and claims it, at least they might come along even just to thank you and say, thanks very much for handing it in. So she went back over to the assistant uh, behind the counter. She said she's after giving it to the floor manager. And okay. she pointed him up there at the end of the counter. We, Michelle and myself went up to him. And he took Michelle's details okay. and phone number. And he says, uh, yeah, we'll hand this in to the airport police. And it was obvious in this long white envelope that it was cash. Oh, yeah, because, you know, there's some envelopes with a little uh, see-through. Oh, yeah, the window, yeah, the window. Yeah, the window, yeah. And I knew by by the the feel of it, I said there was a lot of money in that. I say I reckon between two and three thousand at least. And mm. uh, that was it. We just left it there, our phone number and everything else. So okay. And you've heard? Have, we, have you heard anything since? Not a word. Okay. No. Well, well, I can. We we can update you. 
first of all, your estimate of what was in the envelope is is uncanny, even though you, you didn't count it, is uncannily correct. You say it was around 3,000. It was 2,550. Okay, yeah. so you're, you were fairly fairly close. The money has been claimed. Oh, brilliant. It has been claimed. And um, the person who claimed it apparently is a, a couple who were going home to the United States of America. Oh, and, right. they've been, and they've been reunited with the envelope. Oh, brilliant. That's, I'm glad to hear that. Now, um, I, now, I don't know if they're aware, they are aware of the fact that you and Michelle, uh, Good Samaritans, handed, handed in the envelope. But it has, it, has been, it has been claimed. So well done. Yeah, well I'm done. to hear that, at least because I was thinking of maybe it was maybe an elderly couple that was going on holidays yeah. and they're not used to credit cards or anything like that and it's just handy to have their cash with them and I says, it's going to make somebody say, I'd like I'd be delighted myself if I'd lost money and I'd come alone and somebody had found their hand in, I'd be over the moon. So I'm, I'm really delighted to hear that, you know. Well, apparently they said they found a, a credit slip in the envelope which allowed the airport police to locate the passenger and uh, eventually re- reunite them with the envelope. And I think there was CCT involved as well. Oh, great. So, excellent. Excellent. Great news. That's, as long as it says that somebody is happy at the end of the day, that's the main thing. Okay. Have you ever found stuff before? I, 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 I can't even tell you how long, if, if, if that money had not been claimed, how long is it before they'd consult your phone, Michelle's phone number, on the, on the, um, on the envelope? Uh, well, I think, that's what, yeah, that's what we're wondering. So, somebody just the same. What does happen to money or any other loss? It's a year. Like, you yeah, know what I mean? Apparently, it's a year, a year and a day. And does that go back to like the old saying, "Finders keepers," or is it just put into a charity or something? I'm not sure either. But. Yeah, that's very good. Well, anything that's found in the airport goes to the lost and found in the airport police. Anything that's found on an airplane. Uh, goes to the carrier. The carrier has to sort that out. The carrier sets up a lost and found. And mm-hmm. you know the old gag. There was an air. There's an Aer Lingus lost and found in Dublin Airport, and the number of crutches and uh, various other uh, aids that they'd find on the flights back from Lourdes. I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. So I, they're miracles. They're miracles now. Yeah, they're yeah, miracles. Yeah. They're miracles. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well done, Vincent. Well done, and and I know you 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 won't thank me for this, but well done for to, to yourself and Michelle for your honesty as well. Seriously, yeah, I was telling researcher there. It happened to me about thirty years ago again. I okay. was going on holidays, and I was with my late wife and two two sons, and me okay. and David were about five and seven at the time. And like this time, there wasn't no mobiles at the time, of course. And then we need to a chaos can make a phone call, and it happened to be in Eden Derry as well. Okay. And uh, next thing I found his wallet there sitting on top of the phone, fairly thick with, with notes. Uh, again, wouldn't have a clue much was in it, but I seen open the door, seen a, a squad car going by. I flagged him down. I says, I'm after finding this in the kiosk. Oh, he says, Gross, thank you very much. And I had the words on me, oh, this car, a jeep actually comes flying up. Yeah. A lady got out. I don't know her name or anything. And, of course, I knew by her dress and everything else she had to be involved with horses with a gear sheet on her, you know what I mean? Okay, yeah, yeah. And, of course, oh, guard him after losing, she knew his name and everything. Blah, 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 blah. She went on, oh, and she was in a terrible state. And he says, cool down. He says, this man here is after handing in, here's your wallet here. Well, she went on to thank the guard, no end, no end. Anyway, not a word to me as I wasn't even there. Are you serious? (laughs) Honest to God. And uh, as I said, I didn't hang around too long because I was going to the airport and didn't want to be late. So like that again, as I said, I suppose... You get, I always say, you get something very honesty somewhere down there, down the line in your life, you know. So I always say, well, if I do you. that for a good turn of yeah, of myself, yeah. it'll be handed in for me again. So it'll come round. It'll come round. It'll come round. Oh, never had, you never miss. Okay, Jerry Kennedy is in Kinsale in Dublin. You used to work in the airport. The people, I did, uh, yes, Joe. The, first of all, I know p- people get flustered in the airport. I know that. You're talking mm. to 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 the father flustering here. And catastrophizing. <laughs> I, uh, I know. I know you well. We went to school together. All right. Oh, that's the same, Jerry Kennedy. Jerry, how are you? Yeah. And um, so tell us, you worked in the airport, and w- I worked in the airport, and uh, I was working in check-in in 1988. Okay. Um, and 
I found an envelope, a, a little purse with £28 in it okay. back in the day. Now, 28 quid was half a week's wages. Um, and what I did was I handed it in to the airport police, but mm-hmm. I also kept a note of it in, okay. my, uh, in, in, my, in my diary. Yeah. Because three months later, I went back. It was unclaimed. Okay. And I claimed it, and you're entitled to claim it after three months. Oh, are you? Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. That was no, but that's the way it was back 20, in the day. 28 quid. But apparently the airport police told us they've, they've uh, found... Uh, uh, sorry, among the things that have been lost in Dublin Airport that they found have been earrings, obviously, to canoes and false teeth. <laughs> dearie, dearie, <laughs> I do remember another incident, Joe. So someone, uh, someone is paddling up some river without a canoe. It's back in Dublin <laughs> Airport. I do remember one other incident. I was travelling to Dallas-Fort Worth on my way home from San Francisco. Okay. And I was running to get a flight. And a man in front of me crossed. There's an area where the, the, the pedestrian traffic just crosses. And the man, the man who was crossing in front of me dropped his wallet. Okay. And I picked it up and I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, you dropped your wallet. And he, just, his tor- he turned to me and he said, friend, he said, if I, 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 you've made a friend for life. Right. So right. anyway, that's my that's my feel good story for you. Well done, well done, well done. Thanks, Jerry. Good to hear you. Good that's Jerry Kelly. Again, yeah, John. likewise, uh, Vincent. Uh, well done, and it'll come round. The karma uh, and your honesty will 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 uh, come round, and you, and uh, Michelle as well. So kind regards. How did you get How did you get on at Lanzarote? Oh, brilliant! Yeah, lovely heat and everything else. What was it? Was it not? Was it not La- too warm? No, no, I don't mind the heat at all. Good Lovely. lad, good lad, good lad, good lad. We don't get it too often in we Ireland, so we appreciate yeah. it. Sure <laughs> do. Okay, no, but well, that's brilliant news. I'm glad delayed to say that somebody has got it and oh, okay. they have it and happy days. Okay, kind regards. Well done, Vincent and Michelle. Joe at rte.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And Joe at RT.ie. I, I was at a book launch last night of an incredible book by uh, David Blake Knox. It's uh, the story of the Niedermeyer family, and it's 11 years ago now since it came up on Liveline. And myself and Karen Cassidy made a documentary about uh, the fact that Thomas Niedermeyer, who was kidnapped two days after Christmas, 50 years ago this year, and um, the effect, the, the the bullet that never, he was he was murdered, his body was hidden in a dump um, uh, for seven years, face down, face down, and that's the title of David Blake Knox's powerful, powerful book. But it reminded me that... Um, this is the time for book launches. So, uh, and there's lots of self-published books um, uh, coming out as well. I know I just finished reading one by a friend of mine, Barry Cullen, called The Harm Done, Community and Drugs in Dublin, and that's been launched in the fortnight's time, but that's self-published. So we are doing our self-published uh, books programmes on the two weeks, uh, uh, sorry, in the two days leading up to Christmas this year. So the usual applies, send in your book, and on the book... On the book, not not with a paper clip, on the book, either sell a tape or write it on the book, are your details, your contact details, your email address, your mobile, it's all confidential, but your mobile uh, phone number and any any details you want about the book. If you put in a, put in a note, though the books are invariably self-explanatory on the back and send it to Liveline. RTE uh, Radio, Stage 7 we are now. We'll get us anyway. Uh, RTE Radio, uh, Dublin 4. But you must put in those details. And then we do our absolute best to cover as many as possible as people know. And then the other thing is, there, there's so many books come in, we cannot send them back to you. It's just beyond our, not just our physical, it's beyond our physical resources to, to repackage them all. Uh, because our programs go on day by day anyway. So that's a self-published uh, book program, uh, programs on Liveline in uh, the last the last week, so to speak, of December. Uh, send them in now and uh, we will do our absolute best because some of the self-published books, I just mentioned Barry Cullen's Arm Done there. It's a fantastic, fantastic addition to, and this is about community and drugs in Dublin. It's a fantastic social history apart from anything else. So there's really important self-published books uh, out there and that uh, we are glad to um, facilitate and help. Now we're glad to be able to uh, 
talk to Corina, who's contacted us because she's in, as she said, she never expected to be in the situation uh, that she's now in. Corina, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. Thanks you, for having me on your show. Yeah, you say, I never believed I would find myself in the position I am, I am in. What is that position? Um, so my family and I are 25 days away from being homeless. We were mm-hmm. served a legal eviction. Um, I've been looking actively since the summer, ringing, emailing landlords, yeah. estate agents. Um, and out of that, I've managed to view, I've been asked to view only four properties. Okay. Um, so all the emails I send, yeah, I just got four replies. One of those was just to a friend of a friend. I, yeah, I felt yeah. I got lucky to see it. Yeah. Um, the we're facing going into emergency accommodation, but I can't get my head around that. I I, I mm-hmm. can't. I I don't want that for my family. Um, an emergency. I, you you would yeah. be declared homeless, but an emergency accommodation. Have you investigated what your local authority are offering, or will do offer, or do supply? Is it a guest house, a hotel, or? Mm. So they weren't able to tell me that when I spoke okay. to them this week. What they they could only tell me that it could be a B and B, it could be emergency accommodation hostel, it could be where I live, or it could be out. I live in the city. Yeah. It could be outside of the city, and it would be all. I have three children. It would be all of us in one room, yeah. and we wouldn't have access to our own cooking facilities. Yeah, and yeah. I, that's the part I'm. I'm struggling to get my head around that and how would I manage to work and if it's, you know. Um, so you're yeah. saying, you're saying that's not, that, is, that is not an option for you and your family? No, I, I, I don't want that to happen. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I'm really struggling to get my head around putting us, us being in emergency accommodation and having so little of our things and not being able to have access to yeah. food and, and... Just, yeah, yeah, it doesn't bear thinking about. Um, it, it is a roof over your head, it is warm, but it's it's regarded as a temporary measure now. The government argued that the, the same, when when we hear the, the homeless figures, it's a difference, it's, it's, just, it's increasing, but the same number generally every month, but it's a different group of people, that people are, are moving on into permanent accommodation, hopefully, hopefully. Now, so, so what... Yes, I, what I just want to say, yeah. you, you would hope so, they weren't able to tell me yeah. how long the yeah. emergency accommodation will kick in for or be okay. in place for. And also, if you go into emergency accommodation, it doesn't change your status on the housing list if you happen to be on the housing list. So you're in the same category as someone in a private rental who's also on the housing list. So again, going into emergency accommodation, they don't treat you differently to someone in a private rental. I thought that was unfair um, yeah. as well. It was, uh, yeah. So what are your options, Karina? You've, you've many children living with you at the moment. Three, one in college, third level, two in second level. Um some people have been very generous and they've offered to take us temporarily until the end of the year, but it would mean separating, um, you know, into, you know, two yeah. and two. But, you know, I've spoken with my family and they they don't want to be separated. Um, mm-hmm. So they're two, the two in secondary school will go to live with their dad. Um, okay. we're, we're separated. Um they will live with their dad who lives outside of the capital and will commute to their school. It's very important for us to keep them yeah, in the yeah. school that they're in. And how long will, that commute, long will that new commute be, Karina? Just over an hour there oh, and back okay. every day. And that's on a good day. Yeah. So they might have to practice going at different times to make it work. Um, but they, that's what they're willing to do because it would mean for them... They have things around them that they're familiar with. They're in a safe, yeah, comfortable yeah, situation yeah. and they have some level of agency and control. Um, and that's what we're prepared to do. And I'm still hopeful that if we do that until the end of the year, that I still might find somewhere. I'm yeah. still being really hopeful and I'm still looking. And of the four places you already viewed, 
were any of them within your, I know you're, you're, you're getting the hot payment, but were, were any of you within your price range? Oh yeah, so there there are a lot, there are properties being advertised in my price range. Um, they are they exceed the HAP bands that are quite low for where I live, um, mm-hmm. and it's up to you to make an arrangement to pay the extra. And I'm willing to pay, um, but out of the properties, one just wasn't suitable. It was in a basement. The bedrooms had no windows. Oh, uh, one I was. Uh, I thought I had a, a bed. Hang on, a, hang on, Karina. A bedroom with no windows. Um, it was just in a basement. There was a gate, a uh, barred window in one of. Sorry, sure there was a barred window. Sure, in that's one of the un- sure, that's unsafe. That's a fire trap. Yeah, I think if I had some energy in me, I might have made a complaint. But I, I just yeah, I under- totally understand. The, yeah. the one I thought I would have, it went to someone else. Um, I got to view. One other, it just wasn't suitable for for our needs, and I did accept another one that I went to see, and it didn't. It went to someone else. Okay. I, I don't know who it went to. Now, where will you go to, Karina? Where will you go? Oh yeah, so my well, my eldest son at college will look for a house share. Um, I, he's off that age. Okay. Um, I have. A friend uh, in Uri that I can stay with. Um, okay. No questions asked. They've they've offered their very dear friend. Um, I have other places around the city that I could stay with if I had to come down for work. Um, but I think just to have a base or to just settle for mm-hmm. a short time, I think I will accept that in Uri. And it does mean that my children will be living somewhere else, and I will from me they'll be living somewhere else. Which is an awful prospect. How yeah, it is. And, and I'm still hopeful. I think I will find somewhere to live where we can all be living together. But the, the clock is ticking. What, what is the exact date that where you... And you, say it's, you said it's a legal uh, end of a tenancy, a legal eviction as such. Um, it is. When, the, when, when are you out? It's the 20th of November and the circumstances for my landlord have changed. I don't want to paint them as an evil yeah. landlord everyone's circumstances change from time to time and we're both in a bad situation and he's moving back in and we're out on the 20th. So I'm preparing for that. I have to prepare by packing. I have Mm -hmm. to get rid of some furniture. I have to get rid of some of my belongings. And uh, I do have another close friend who will store stuff in their shed indefinitely. Um, But yeah, I'm shrinking. Everything is shrinking around Mm -hmm. me and... It's that's hard to plan. There's no excitement and there's no joy in packing anything up. That's a very good point. Everything is shrinking. Your 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 family is shrinking, unfortunately. Um, your your social orbit is is shrinking because your children will be. I don't know how far away they'll be. But I suspect from listening to you, they're not going to be next door uh, by any stretch. Um, okay, your your eldest is in college, and I know. The, the advances in terms of college grants and college eligibility in the last few years especially has been phenomenal, phenomenal, which is great and about time, but has been phenomenal in terms of uh, grants and that. Um, yeah. So, so what, what you're, 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 uh, you've, you've articulated it so strongly, but, but what about things like, say, work? If you move mm-hmm. to, 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 I mean, work outside the home, as they say, um, mm-hmm. where does that sit? Um, I, I I work mainly from home. I need a desk. I need a computer, okay. and uh, I work from home. Any uh, I can I can function and keep my job going. Um, I can manage to do meetings online instead of being in person. And if I had to commute to the city for for a time, I could be there for the day and return in the evening. Um, but your point about the shrinking, I, yeah, I, I suppose I came wanted to talk to you just to highlight that this mm-hmm. can happen to anybody, and if there are any parents of children in the same situation, sitting in their cars right now and struggling and finding mm-hmm. it really difficult, I'm thinking of them as well because it's very isolating. Mm-hmm. 
Is that the and and you, you use the word agency earlier on, which is a, a great work and a great word and and power. You, you sound absolutely powerless. Unfortunately, you've now been rendered absolutely. Yeah, it s- feels that way, and I want to pay my way, and I'm yeah. saving to buy a house. And you know, when you get into this situation, there's there's no discussion to talk about your options of what how you could be supported to do that. You know. Yeah. You, your dreams are shattered. You're, it's yeah, it's really hard to. It's hard at the moment. And on the one hand, you've magnificent achievements. Um, your eldest is in college, which is fantastic. Your two, your second two are in second level. Um, but do, do you tell your friends I'm I'm going to be homeless? Would you say it to your friends? Um, no. Well, I have done. But I was very hesitant to tell them. Um, I suppose I'm of an age where my friends have purchased homes. You know, they got married, they purchased homes. Some are on their second homes, and I'm, you know, I'm great. I'm I I'm joyful for them. I'm yeah. excited for them, and I didn't want to tell them because I felt ashamed. And but it, when it got to the point. Last month, I started to tell more people. I told people I work with. I told my mm. peers. Yeah. Um, and what's the reaction, Karina? Um, people are very kind. They're they're mm. supportive. They do what they can. And um, but there's such a lack of property. And yeah. um, yeah. there's just too much demand for what's available. Um, and it's a very broken system. And then there's not enough. Well, there's, there's loads of. I've been looking uh, the last eight weeks about documentaries on modular housing, and I know they, mm-hmm. they, they, there's another call for that to be uh, mm-hmm. today. I think it's from the Institute of Chartered Surveyors in Ireland, they're saying we should be really, really getting stuck into modular housing. They're modern. They're comp. They're they're uh, modern in terms of insulation, in terms of carbon uh, emissions. They're modern in terms mm-hmm. of design. They're modern in terms of facilities. And now you need to build factories to build modular housing. And the same mm-hmm. argument because of where we're going to get the people to build a factory. Um, and then just the number of apartments. As it was the CSO yesterday said, the number of apartments built this year is double the number of apartments built in the whole of last year so far. But who's who's going to be able be able to afford them? Are they all uh, being built uh, to 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 rent uh, by vulture I, funds? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And when you look at at some of the sites for rental, you know you have to scroll past all these luxury apartments that are yeah. way out of my price yeah, band, yeah. and you have to go past all of those before you can see something that's yeah. more realistic. And who's going to live in all these new expensive apartments? Like I, I, well, dri- I drive by every day. I come by the glass bottle uh, plant as it used to be uh, down uh, just off the Easting. There, it's a massive, massive uh, plant, and there's eight tower cranes building apartments on that site. Eight tower cranes, and that's just the beginning. Just the beginning. Anywhere you travel around Dublin, especially, the number of tower cranes building apartments. But when you go to look, when when you want to contact the uh, the agent, you discover there. The, the rents are ast- astronomical and it's who 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 do you expect who are, who are they expecting to live in them now I thought one of the, the more interesting things you said or the more insightful things you said there Karina was the isolation of it and the loneliness of the position you find yourself in um, yeah it's you know it separates you from your community that you've built up if you have to move um, or if you have to take a house that's not in your community, you yeah. you sever. Well, you don't sever ties, but you you lose that connection with with yeah. your with your network. Um, I haven't been able to talk about it, so I I don't want to get into conversations with people. And I think Irish people love to talk about houses and where they're going to live, and they like to ask you where you live. Yeah. And I would just avoid those conversations because I would feel, you know. A certain amount of judgment. I know that's in my head, like, but I just wouldn't want to talk about it uh, in front of other people. And then the ads you see, um, and I'm not criticising the banks, but the ads you see, especially for banks, 
have this very happy, clappy couple and mm. maybe a couple of kids, maybe even the, the mother-in-law, mm. uh, packing joyfully and uh, mm. uh, wondrously and excitedly for a move. But as you say, it's totally different what you're doing when you pack. Yeah, I'm finding it hard to get the motivation to do that. And yeah. you're packing for two things. One is to put stuff away and then you're also trying to keep as much as you need to keep going because I don't I need to set a date for when we, we do leave before the 20th and th- yeah there's no joy at the end of that you're it's not like packing up to go into your new home yeah, yeah. and I have things that I've had for 20 years and I know I'll have to get rid of them I can't yeah. I can't think about bringing them and I just have to reconciled in my head that I've made that decision they just have to go mm-hmm. my family is more important and yeah and in, ter- in terms of you're going to as you say some friends have offered you a place or a room or whatever um, and I'm sure they're very, they're obviously by definition of they're obviously room they're obviously good, good people um, how do you feel about well, sh- it just takes that they're, they're it, you, what I've learned is sometimes the people with the least are the most generous yeah. and people with their own things going on have they've just been incredible incredibly kind and I think I would do the same mm. and have you do you think Corina at this stage you've exhausted every avenue I, th- I, th- I sounds to me like you have. I don't want to be saying to you, God, try it, baby. There's no magic, no magic solution here. Mm. I feel like I have, and it's why I called you. I suppose it gives me a chance to talk about it because mm. when you're emailing people, it's in. You're just in a void. You put your email out and you sell yourself to the potential landlord or agency and you want them to pick you and you're trying to paint a great picture of I could be a great tenant, please pick me. But you hear nothing back, you know, and I could be sending that out five or six times, up to ten times a day, whatever is available I would apply for within like an hour commute of the school. So it's just, you're in such a void. Okay, and just just in... On the the off chance, the sliver, given the pressure on accommodation, do you want to say generally what part of the country you would be willing to uh, look at accommodation? Um, I'm in in Dublin and um, on the north side, um, and any anything within a reasonable commute from from where uh, from the school. Okay, in the north side of Dublin. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Karina, have you managed to, to to continue your work outside the home? As I say, you're. Yeah, um, I have. Um, sometimes I travel to different parts of the country for work, and that's kind of accommodated for within yeah. the work I do. Yeah. And um, but I have had to pull back on on future planning, and there were two trips away abroad. Um, very exciting. You know, COVID kind of knocked my work back course, a little yeah. bit and I've been building it back up again and I had two trips one in Europe and one in Asia and I can't plan for those um, they're just off the cards at the moment Now have you explained to your children your younger children especially the scenario that they're going to have to there will be a change in, in Yeah I, we have we, we did we, we have discussed that I told them what friends of mine had offered and there was one option for me and one child to live with in with one family and the other two to live somewhere else and we discussed all of those and it's one thing having you know yeah we discussed all of that but they they do want to be their preferences to be together and to be with their dad that is their preference and we we kind of we we through all the possibilities of of what it would look like if we were all in different places, and it mm. just it's it's. And yeah. that's well, that's that's um, that's that's incredible, Karina. You're you're honouring their preference, and their pre- they don't want to be in the situation they're in. Of course, they don't. But when you explained it to them, and 
they they said, can we stay together? What are the options for the mm-hmm. two of us staying together? Obviously, they uh, still have okay. their loving mother and indeed father on, on the scene. But yeah. so, so the option that you're going to facilitate is to allow them to stay together. Um, yeah, and, and they they would have shared what's going on with some of their friends okay. and kind of have set up if they needed one night a week to say that their friends would do that. So they they have a bunch of friends that, okay. that might be able to just take them one night a week yeah. to relieve the, the travelling. Okay, okay. Um, are you, and yeah, uh, all that taken into consideration, that's, that's a better option for us than being somewhere... Yeah where we can't control our food or eating times, almost bedtimes probably. You know, you have to be up and out at mm. certain times of the day. Yeah, yeah. And as you say, on one, on, on, on one level, you're on a, the trajectory that a lot of families are on, which is moving forward, children going to college, getting them through second level, one of them moving away from, moving away from home. And then suddenly it's a cliff. And your friend. It is, and it can happen to any, anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, you would think about how it will affect young people, people who are in this situation who don't see support from the yeah. government or from policymakers, and how that makes them feel when they think of their own future. Um, I don't, I, I get the feeling that they won't want to stay here. And I'm, I'm as a parent, facing up to that as well. And I know people will emigrate for different reasons, but this is a real genuine one where they can't see any support from the state or don't see any positivity from the government. And they just, I, they might want to leave when they have the chance. And I wouldn't blame them either, but, it would, you know, that's hard for any parent to deal with. Karina, it's um, very sad. It's yeah, just sad. Yeah, it's sad. And you've communicated that so well. Um, I hope, there's no point in me saying hopefully there will be a glimmer. Um, and I can see the number of people uh, empathising, uh, sympathising mm-hmm. uh, with you. But um, but being with, talking about it with you does does highlight it, and it is. Yeah, it could be yeah. anybody. And um, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's let's um, in in itself in itself it's important what you've just done in terms of uh, opening up about it, but more importantly, hopefully there would be some practical uh, suggestions, Karina. Mm-hmm. Um, stay safe. I'm, I'm hopeful. Yeah. Thank you. And you obviously have a magnificent family, and uh, well done on getting them so far, and you will get them further. And. Uh, mm-hmm. Do not be trying not to be too cast down, but that's that's uh, mm-hmm. their hollow words uh, from someone who's in, in your situation. Uh, mm-hmm. Karina, uh, thanks indeed, Karina, and uh, we'll talk thanks, soon. Joe. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Martin Snee. Martin, lost and found. What happened? Uh, Good afternoon, Joe. Uh, Good good to have you back. Um, My wife and myself travelled to the uh, USA for our uh, honeymoon. And um, we flew to Boston. And um, after we had checked into our accommodation, I discovered that uh, I had lost my wallet. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, there's, there's not a, 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 a hope uh, that uh, it's going to turn up. I'd lost it somewhere between the, the plane and the uh, accommodation. But um, we were uh, due to um, stay with my cousin in uh, New York mm-hmm. later on in our stay. And um, uh, just before we were due to travel there, I uh, called her to just to confirm the arrangements. And uh, she informed me that uh, my wallet had... Uh, turned up at her house Brilliant. and uh, I was like you you, you okay <laughs> but what happened was that a lady who was traveling through Logan Airport in Boston mm-hmm. found my wallet she looked inside and found my cousin's address in uh, New York in it and had um, uh, posted it to her and took the trouble to get to post to get to get a padded yeah. envelope and and post it and then did you ever yeah. did you ever find out who she was the good Samaritan no, no, 
she sent a note, but there was no um, um, address on it. Okay. I'm sure that would happen in Ireland. Ah, well, it could, it, it, could, it, it, it um, you, get, you get good, bad and indifferent people everywhere, you know, some yeah. people would bother yeah. take the time to do something like that, and others would just, just, most people I think would probably just hand it in to the um, nearest uh, official at the airport and then let them deal with it. But I think, I just, I was saying earlier, Martin, um, to Vincent, like in the, and he was another good Samaritan, but, um, People do get flustered in the airport. They really do. I don't know yeah. what's how you can stop it. They drop their passport. They lose yeah. their passport. They panic. They're checking this, checking that. They leave down a bag. They forget to pick up the bag. They leave down a wallet. They and then they get to the border gate and they yeah. tapping or where's my phone? Where's my passport? Anyway, Martin Snee, well yeah. well done. I'm glad you got the uh, and you you were going on your honeymoon. That's right, Joe, yeah. OK, well, that was a good start. Bit of, bit of luck. Thanks indeed, Martin. Yeah. Liz O'Carroll in Dublin as well. Liz? Yeah, hello, Joe. You're crossing O'Connell oh, Street in the centre of Dublin. Yeah, crossing O'Connell Bridge. Yeah. In 1978. I'll never forget the date. OK. And uh, it was... Uh, I was go- running over to get a pair of shoes in place anyway. But <laughs> I... Um, OK. I found this wallet... Right. And I lifted it up, and it was the builder's holiday, you know, August, mm-hmm. the first of all, yeah. And I found this wallet, and there was a wad of notes in it. Wow. And uh, I said, Jesus, uh, that must be somebody's holiday money. And I looked in it, and I saw a name and address. Right. And I, I didn't know the area, but I drove out, and I was driving around and driving around and driving around looking for the... the the uh, house and mm-hmm. eventually I found it and up to the door and I knocked on the door and I, this man answered the door and I said okay. did, you lo- did you lose your wallet and he said I did yeah I said I found it on a common bridge he said, thank you very much and he closed the door in my face ah for God's sake <laughs> now remember <laughs> listeners this is 1978 Liz we didn't have sat nav I was the secretary and my 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 wages would be not even a quarter. Or, or okay, <laughs> but you you saw the address on the on the the wallet with In the four weeks' wages, and you yeah. you you follow you found the address. You drove out. I don't yeah. know how far it was. Yeah. You found the address. Yeah. You knocked on the door. Area where you lived. <laughs> okay, you knocked, knocked, on on knocked, knocked on the door. Knocked on the door. <laughs> and I was delighted with myself. Yeah. And I said to him. Uh, did you lose your wallet? And he said, oh, yeah, did you? And I said, well, I found it on the Connell Bridge. And um, he said, thank you very much. And he closed the door on my face. So. Okay. Okay. I'm thinking I'm thinking of another thing well, just No, Liz, before, before you move on, sorry, come back to the petrol. But yeah. how, you, you say I remember, do you remember the day? Well, it was, no, it, it was a, it was a, it was a builder's holiday because it was the first. Ah. They always took the first two weeks in August. August. So, so you do remember it quite vividly. Yeah, all distinctly. distinctly. Yeah. Okay, what are we going to say about yeah. the petrol? During the petrol strike, yeah, my it. father sent myself and my mother up, or myself and my sister up to Tonus with two big, huge drums. Right. right? Yeah. And he said, Auntie, uh, we had an aunt who lived in Tonus, and he said, she'll take you across the border to get them filled up. Okay. And we got it filled up and we came back and we, I drove into the driveway and I was smoking. And uh, my father started to F and blind at me and said, what in the name? And I said, I'm after driving all the way up to Clonus and back. And I went back. And he said, yeah, but you could have been your imprint on the on the road by who flung down. Okay. <laughs> could I have blown you... up the car. Exactly. We exactly. smoked all the way back. The fumes, it's always the fumes from while well, the yeah. container was, was yeah. securely yeah. locked, yeah. we hope. Okay, yeah. Liz, by the way, but, uh, if you found the wallet on O'Connor Bridge tomorrow, would you do the same? No. <laughs> I would, of course. <laughs> you I would, would of, course. of course. You're very yeah. good. You're very good. Karma okay. always comes back. Yep. Yeah. Uh, good to have you uh, back, Joe. Uh, you're very kind. And Katie did a fantastic job, as per usual. As per usual. Yeah. Liz, yeah. Liz, Liz O'Carroll, go to meal market. John, John, your, your good luck story. Uh, yes, uh, about 25 years ago, it was on a Friday, 
um, was walking through the streets of Cork and I spotted a wallet. I mm-hmm. picked it up, opened this, and there was a, I counted it out, there was 5,000 inside in the wallet. Wow. And there was an um, idea in it, and it was a, the guy was a New Yorker, mm-hmm. and there was a receipt of the hotel, which I wasn't far from at the time, so I, I knew where to go, so I went to the hotel, went to the reception, right. said, have you, got, have you got such a person staying here? She looked up, we have, I said... Could you ever ring him? Is he, is he inside? She had see. Rang the room. Guy came down. I said, I believe this has belonged to you. You know, mm-hmm. Took the wallet. He counted out the money in front of me. 5,000. Right? Let's be honest now. 5,000. And then he tore the wallet again. And he just put a smile on his face. He says, thank you, buddy. And he walked away. Not even the price of a pint. Not even the price of a pint of Beamish or Morphys. No. And as a gas karma, they said to come back. You must be joking, Joe. I had unmerciful trouble in the job after that, which I had to leave. A relationship <laughs> came to an end, so don't give me that karma. Please don't mention the word karma. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, are, you do, are you doing the lot? What day is it, Wednesday? Are you doing the lotto? It's the Thursday, oh, yeah, actually. It's Thursday. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do the, we'll have, you, have you won the lotto since? No. No, not, okay. a, not, a, not, not a brass resume. <laughs> so you don't, so you say karma doesn't exist? Well, not for me anyway. I can't speak for everybody, but it didn't work for me. <laughs> okay, okay. Well said, well done. Thanks to the John and Cork. Joe at RT.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Patricia Waters and Sligo. Good news. How are you? Good news. Tell us, Patricia, what happened? So, over 25 years ago, my sister had got a Donnelly visa uh, to go to America. So, she was saving her money to get her flight, went into the bank and took out, it was just over £400. Came down the street, phoned me crying, lost the money, Uh, had no money, lost it, went to the guard station, couldn't find anybody, and then about four hours later, uh, got a knock on the front door, and it was a man that had found it in Sligo, Ah. seen the address, um, and brought the money out, so... Thanks to him, my sister was able to get her flight over to America. And 400 um, euro, well, today is a lot of money. 25 years ago, it was an awful lot of money. It was an awful lot of money. Yeah, an awful lot of money. But and did she give him, him, she didn't slam the door in his face. I know she didn't. She, no, that's why I was phoning, because she didn't slam the door in his face. She actually sent him a thank you card with a scratch card in it. Um, and he came back out to say he had won £50. Ah, and a scratch card. On the scratch card, so when people say karma, I just want to let them know it well, does. It, it does come back. And well, if she found out you won fifty euro, they must have kept in touch. They did. They did. She actually, when she was getting married in America, she actually sent him an invitation to go to her <laughs> wedding. Lost and found. Well done. Well done. So well I just done. thought it was. It was just is she still was in? Lovely. Is she still in the states? She's still in America, yes, legally there, and because of that man finding the money, she was able to get her Donnelly visa stamped, wow. so she was in definite leave to stay in America, and without that, she wouldn't have had the money to go. Well, that's a good news story. So that's it is, it's lovely, that pe- yeah. Yeah, it's lovely to see that people are honest, and, and people here, here. do get the reward. From the right, even though John doesn't believe in karma, a lot of people do. Thanks, Patricia, in kind regards to your sister in the States, Sound Mark McGrath, BCO, Ollie Hamilton, producer Tara Lockwood, Grant Ray Darcy, next. 0818 715 815 stays open until 3.15pm, or email joe at rte.ie.